Welcome to the Church at Sun Coast. Our Sunday morning worship starts at 11 a.m., Sunday school at 10 a.m., and Wednesday fellowship at 5.30 p.m. And now sit back, relax, and let's meditate on the Word of God. My life as a teacher, I, I can't handle interruptions. I've, the more and more I've gone along, the more when that phone rings, when I'm trying to make a point to my students, I get more and more frustrated. Mom, you know this, and I know at the end of one of the classes, my class enjoyed it, um, I, I just cut the phone line because I had, it was, I think, six or seven phone calls, and I could not get a point across in 30 minutes. So um, we face that in our lives. Um, Jesus, when he was in his ministry, and looking in Matthew chapter 9 today, in his ministry, he faced interruptions. Okay, people interrupted him throughout his ministry. And today, um, one of the times as well that we'll look at in Matthew chapter 9, we know from last week that he had this great discourse with the John the Baptist disciples. And I know from conversations that I've had um, in an intellectual basis or in the church, I can talk for a long time about these kind of things. Jesus could have probably spent the rest of the day with these men talking about the past, talking about um, their struggles, what they're facing, what can I do to help you, okay? But in his life, he was about people, and he was about ministering to people that were in need. And from our slide, the, the, the title I want to talk about is that he's uninterrupted, okay? You can't interrupt him, and that's kind of where I wanted to head with it. Um, his, how he handles interruptions in the life of the ruler and the life of the diseased woman um, shows us how he handles situations for us and how he displays grace to us. So if you, um, in, in a quote that Winston Churchill said, um, don't interrupt me while I'm interrupting, <laughs> okay? He was, a, he was a great leader that, um, that, that had that quote, you know, talking about interruptions. A study was done by, um, flip the slide for, for me. Interruptions at work can be maddening. Researchers at the University of California, Irvine, found after careful observation of the typical office worker, you and me, we're interrupted or we have to switch tasks on average every three minutes and five seconds. Okay, we can't stay focused on something very long. Um, either somebody gets our, our attention or someone gets our, you know, thought process off of track. And it can take up to 23 minutes and 15 seconds just to get back to where we left off. And I know from teaching, we get some people coming in our room to talk with us as we go along our day and we, we barely have time to plan and it's tough sometimes um, when people do interrupt us. Um, can flip to the next one. Jonathan Spire, author of Overload, How Too Much Information is Hazardous to Our Organization, estimates that the interruptions and information overload eat up to 28 billion wasted hours a week, a year. At a loss of over $1 trillion to the United States economy, we are interrupted, okay? Our lives are totally um, 
at times can be interrupted. Um, there was even a, which is the next slide, uh, it's uh, mutual time lock agreements. Companies have actually come into actual contracts with other people where you cannot interrupt them from a certain time to a certain time. So companies are trying to make this point that, you know, stop interrupting people, okay? But our Savior was uninterrupted, okay? No a bit of time that he was on this earth were, were, were the people, were the, uh, his followers, his disciples, did they ever interrupt him, okay? Whether it was sleeping on a boat or in our talk today about um, these rulers and this um, diseased woman. So looking at the scripture today in Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 Give you a second to flip there as well. He says in um, Matthew chapter 9, verse 18, he says, while he was saying these things to them, and we remember from last week talking about fasting, how that, you know, the, the point is not fasting while I'm here, okay? When the Savior is here, when he's um, on this earth, they are, the, the, the primary goal is to to be with him, be a part of what he's doing, not what anyone else is doing. Because there'll be time to do all those other things, fasting. So he's talking to them and continuing this conversation. He says, behold a ruler, okay, someone that was very high up, came in and knelt before him, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on him, lay your hands on her, and she will live. So, from this verse, one thing strikes out to me right away. Do rulers kneel down normally? We know from you know, watching things and, and knowing, studying history, rulers, you know, the primary function of them is to, is to be upright, to stand in an in a, in a authoritative sense. Okay? This ruler obviously have, has heard this message Seen this, seen the word, heard the words that Jesus has said, because in here he he doesn't talk to him, you know, in a in, in an authoritative way. This is in a desperate way, okay, kneeling down and, and and telling him, please come see my daughter, because I know that you can heal her. Jesus was no ordinary man. This ruler had faith that if Jesus would come, he would heal his daughter. Um, verse 19, he says, And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples, leaving John the Baptist's disciples, you know, right there. Okay, Jesus' response is, is very, very telling here. The, this ruler's faith led Jesus to leave and meet his need. Okay, He meets us in our need when we cry out to him, when we tell him um, our needs, when we tell him what, we, um, what, what our desires are, he hears us. And he doesn't wait. He doesn't um, you know, tell us to, you know, so at times he can, but in, in this man's desperation, he needed it right now. And Jesus does this in, in, in our lives as well. So verse 20 through 22 is, is, is kind of the, bridge here um, and behold in verse 20 and behold a woman 
as they're walking, who had suffered from the discharge of blood for 12 years, came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And, and for she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her faith said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. So this story, this mini story has such great implications. Um, This lady had been suffering for a very, very long time, um, 12 years. And and this is not a a discharge of blood that was very, um, it's a hemorrhage, okay? She had hemorrhoids. And what would happen is the blood was discharged slowly. Okay, it was a slow and agonizing disease that she had. People in her community around could not be around her, okay? This lady took an incredible, incredible risk in even going through this crowd. She could have infected 20 to 30 people or even more, okay? So um, this means that, you know, this process meant that she was as well, the ruler and her in, in a similar situation in desperate drastic measures. The, the, both of them took these things. She went in a crowd of ex- people exposing herself to hundreds. Um, she wanted relief to the pain that no doctor could alleviate for 12 years. You can imagine this woman going through and, and trying to um, get answers. What can I do to help, help this you know, go away? What can I do to get a little bit of relief? Um, sin in our lives before we came became saved it was a slow moving disease that only remedy was our savior only remedy for sin in our lives for the disease that continues to to boil day after day year after year is knowing christ because when that happens in verse 21 um she, just, she her response was to just touch his hem, the garment. It was probably this part of it from the picture earlier. Um, and, and immediately, Jesus knew what had happened. He knew that something was, this lady had done something, okay? And just it, it, she, what Jesus was doing in verse 22 was to tell her, why did she touch that garment? She, he was wanting her to tell him, it's because I believe, okay? I believe that if, if this is gonna happen, you're gonna do it, okay? It wasn't the fact that she touched the garment. It was the faith that she exhibited to risk her life, to risk her, her entire, um, you know, she was probably at that point, if it didn't work out, was gonna be thrown, you know, thrown off into another city, Guys, she risked everything uh, for healing, okay? And, when, and her faith made her whole, okay? Um, so no amount of human effort, good deeds, philanthropy can fix our sin problem. Only through the faith of this woman, this woman exhibited, did the disease get cured. Um, here. Rejection can be a tough thing, and, and, and finding answers can be a tough thing. In, 1950, in 1858, the Illinois legislature, using an obscure statement 
sent Stephen A. Douglas to the United States Senate instead of Abraham Lincoln, although Lincoln had won the popular vote. When a friend asked Lincoln how he felt, he said it was like a boy who stubbed his toe. Anybody ever stubbed their toe? Yeah, I, I definitely have. So, <laughs> especially with kids and with um, toys throughout the house and trying to step over them at two o'clock in the morning. I know this feeling. He said, it's like a boy who stubbed his toe. I'm too big to cry and too badly hurt to laugh. Okay, this woman had a desperate issue. She had a desperate situation. She um, had been rejected by everyone else. And the only one that could have cured her was um, Jesus. So the last um, couple of verses that we're going to talk about is verses 23 through 26. In verse 23, it says, And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flutes, players, and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put aside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all that district. So... We know from these verses that death was a, was a big, big part of this culture. Um, at this time period, um, death lasted, the funeral process lasted eight days, okay? The, these players were brought in. Um, there would be, um, and one Jewish historian would say that when they would die, there would be an almost um, audible groaning and crying that these people would do. Okay, they brought in what's called minstrels in the King James Version. They called them minstrels. Um, and those were people that would help the grieving, grieving process. Okay, the members of the family would wildly display their grief and sorrow. And it wasn't something that was uh, a negative thing. This was just what they did in their culture. We spend time grieving and it can take a process um, for in, in our lives, but we, death in this culture was, was in a different mindset. The only thing I could relate it to, soccer. Who watches soccer around the globe? Okay, those people have very big time emotions. I can't even relate it to American sports. Foreign sports and soccer is is just unbelievable. The amount of emotion, um, the rage when they don't win, the emotion of victory can be very, I mean, you can feel it, okay? If you've ever been to a soccer game across the country, you can feel it when both teams range from winning and losing, okay? It's a, an amazing process. So Jesus in the, these passages um, understands that death was not, he understood that the man's faith and the ruler's faith um, was something that was not um, a part of this girl. This girl was sleeping, okay, because of what he could do, okay? What he could do in her life, what he can do um, for this girl would be to bring, back, bring her back from the dead, okay? So, you know, when he got there, you know, he told them, you know, he, she's only sleeping. And of course, 
the, the crowd was thrown away into a, te- you know, a, a rage. They were raging because they didn't understand what he was doing there. They thought, you know, this guy is crazy. He's lost his mind. But he sent them away. He sent everyone away where only five people would see him. Okay, do this act because he knew once he did it, if he did it with all of them there, there would be wild hysteria. The, it would be just out of control. And, and our Savior, once in, in most situations, he does things personally. He does them for just a few people and then sends them out to, to go tell everyone else. Okay, so he brings, he comes in, um, touches the girl and she is healed. Okay, and, and that message was for her and for the family, for those that were around, okay? The points that I wanted to make today, and that'll come up on the first slide. The first one is that coming to Christ, coming to Jesus, requires a desperate and extreme rejection of the old man. Everything else that you've learned in your past, um, you must reject it. If you're gonna come to Christ, you must reject who you were before that time. You must reject that and understand that, that I've sinned, that I've come short of his glory. There must be that kind of extreme rejection, Reje- even rejection from your own family, from your own, you know, when that ruler told his family, I've got to go see this man, you know, they, he was probably laughed and scorned off. Okay, they didn't understand it. But coming to Christ requires that amount of, of, of rejection of that. The lady with the issue of blood as well had been told for 12 years um, that she was gonna be in that situation for the rest of her life, that there was no hope and that it would never change. Um, so in coming to Christ and, and, and showing that faith, it allowed them to reject that old man, reject who they were before that time to receive what Christ gave to them. The second point is that God simply makes time for you and me in the middle of our chaos and our trials. Things that we go through in our lives, God makes time for you and me. Faith in these two lives were noticed and Jesus healed them, not from their actions, nothing that they did, but from their faith. And the last point is that a life of faith yields a deeper and deeper connection with our Father. The result in this woman, in the woman's life was a re-entry into society. She was able to now marry. She was able to now have a new life. Okay, when we get saved, okay, things change for us. Things, you know, not that we would improve, but we would um, have a new life that we now can share with everyone. How she was saved from that issue of blood. Um, She could go go into this. The ruler's daughter, the ruler's daughter, we forget about her. She had a new life now. No one else mattered but his act of deliverance. The deliverance was not for the family or the community, but for the child and and her small, um, the five people that were there to witness it. When we die someday, all the other pieces of our life all of the, the, the people we know, the people that we are, even our, our close, close family, when we die, we'll, we'll go away, okay? When we enter heaven, we'll, we'll see them again, but 
When we die, the only one that's there is Jesus Christ. The Mount of Transfiguration was the one that I can connect us with. When the disciples were there, it was an unbelievable experience on the mountain, seeing Moses and Elijah. But when all those people went away, the only one that was left at the end was Jesus Christ. In our lives, that's going to be the same thing. And the connection we have with him now can be that same way. The deep, deep connection that we share with our Father now can be there to the point that we die and now then spend an eternity with him, if you know him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you for this amazing story of desperation and um, a desperate attempt to um, have some relief and to have a new life. And we know in our lives that we face chaos, we face trials, we face struggles and heartaches, but we know that you are the Savior that can remedy those things. You're the Savior that can uh, you know, handle disease and handle death and handle those things because you have overcome death. You've overcome sin, death, the cross has given us that deliverance. We pray that you would um, be with us today uh, as we go out and understand the freedom that we have in Christ. In your name I pray.